Hey, what's up? Thanks for taking time on your journey of life to stop and listen to the Hilton Castle Mission Podcast. This is an interview with our brothers and sisters in the Lord, and I hope it encourages you and blesses you and helps you grow in your understanding of Jesus and how we can transform and change your life. Welcome to another Hilton Castle Mission podcast. It's great to have you listening and watching. Today we have an interview, which they are always delightful. And today we have Jonathan all the way from America. Jonathan, where are you right now in the world? Oh, yes, I am in Denver, Colorado, all the way in the middle of America in a state called Colorado where the Rocky Mountains are. Great skiing. A home of the Denver Broncos for all of you NFL fans over in the UK. And uh, yeah, it's just so happy to be with you guys today. Great. And it's lovely to uh, have you with us. Um, we're going to uh, get you to share your story, if that's all right, about how you became a Christian and stuff like that. But before you do, you have been to Sunderland and you've watched what we call football, but you guys call soccer. Can you talk us through your <laughs> soccer experience? Absolutely. One of my greatest memories was coming over and working with some of the guys at New Springs and the Ignite movement, of course, that's uh, Nathan, Adam, Sean, so many wonderful people that we met that are friends with them. And uh, I got to go out to uh, the Stadium of Light, you know, it was incredible. And Sunderland won that day, um, five to nil. Um, And I was there and they bought me this out of the shops there right at the stadium so i wear this once in a while very excitingly very proudly so um yeah that's one of my greatest experiences i i also do support uh, another team that's actually in the top tier but i'm i'm hoping that um the sunderland gets back up soon you know we've all been walking the journey um <laughs> watching those watching all those episodes trying to hey, yeah let's go sunderland so um, we'll see what happens in the future. But yeah, I, I had opportunity to be there with the guys and it was, man, just wonderful. So I love the area, love the people. Yeah. <laughs> and you saw a miracle, you saw us won. Wow. <laughs> I know, that's what they told me. I was just, hey, it looks like a great game to me, but they're like, this doesn't happen. But <laughs> it happened that day. So I'm happy I was able to be there. <laughs> That's great. Um, we're going to uh, just ask you now, can you just share us how you uh, became a Jesus follower and how that's transformed your life? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love how you said that, a Jesus follower, because sometimes you have exposure to Christianity or exposure to Christ, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're actually following. So I think it, it kind of ebbs and flows um, in my life, but I was fortunate. Um, I was fortunate to be raised in a, a believing household. Um, my father is South African, who uh, gave his life to Christ um, as a teenager. But then when he was 20, he worked his way over on a boat from Durban, South Africa, all the way to the USA to Bible school. And that's where he met my American mother. And um, that's in the end where I was born in, in America. I got to live in South Africa when I was small. But we moved back uh, when I was about five years old to uh, America. And my father, my mom and dad were sort of praying about what to do because um, they were in themselves missionaries as well after Bible school. And now they were sort of back in the States and kind of in transition and wondering what to do. And so my father was, uh, do I go to this country, this country, or do I take this church 
um, in Denver, Colorado. Well, yeah, the rest is history. He, he became a pastor here in Denver, Colorado. But before we moved to Colorado, we were in a state on the East Coast of America called South Carolina. And I was just five years old. And um, it was in the middle of, uh, go figure, it was in the middle of a political election. Uh, can we just not talk about it? There's <laughs> so much of that going on now. But ironically, that's what was happening um, at the time. And I just remember having had that sort of backstory and sort of had that influence in my life. I was just so small, but I just remember one night, just uh, a realization that Jesus actually died for me. And I just thank my parents for obviously teaching me a lot about this, but I remember just being completely alone um, in my room and I just was crying. And I don't know what was going on. Of course, um, from my recollection, I just felt like this, uh, I felt so sorry that Jesus would go to the cross or have to die for me. Um, and it just started to hit me that I was a part of that, that story. I was, a, he went there to pay for my sins. I just remember feeling so sorry for Jesus. And graciously, uh, my parents that night um, led me um, in a prayer to, to ask Christ uh, for myself to come into my life. And that's the night that I was saved. I was a young boy and it's maybe contrast other types of stories, but um, that's my story. And that's uh, when I gave my life to Jesus. And so then we moved to Colorado and I went to just a sort of normal school. My father was a pastor in, in Colorado of a small church, the church that I'm sitting in now where our office is and my office is. And um, it's it a great story, a great time. But, you know, of course, your relationship with God, um, your relationship with God sort of ebbs and flows. And um, it wasn't until I was about 14 years of age, uh, having already had experiences with Jesus, um, about 14 years of age, um, I really uh, understood what it, what it was like. Um, I, had a, I had somebody very close to me uh, get in a very near, a near fatal car accident. And um, it was, oh, excuse me. It's okay if that changes, we can, we can continue. It just keep, sorry about that, man. It's, I'm getting a phone call and it won't, they won't stop. So. Anyway, so yeah, so when I was about 14 years of age, um, somebody very close to me, somebody I love very much was in a near fatal car accident. And it had to do with um, some, some drinking and some, some, drive, some driving and an accident that had happened. And I just kind of seemed like right up against what it was like to, um, for, for these decisions and where they lead you. And it just kind of really woke me up like, whoa, like this, this is real. This like life is real. Life is short. There's consequences. And it wasn't too long after that, that I um, had a teacher um, sort of kind of like doubled as a youth pastor type person who was very challenging. He was a believer and um, he just challenged uh, me and, and us to, you know, what would it be like to live a life totally sold out for Christ? And I had kind of seen some of the consequences Some of the, I've seen some of the consequences of not living totally for Christ. And I said, you know, I, I just want to do this. I want to live my life for Jesus. And so from the time I was five till about 14, I kind of ebbed and flowed. And 14 and 15, I just realized, like, I really want to live my life for Jesus. And of course, it hasn't been perfect since then. Obviously, um, had some low, low times and low moments. But uh, by the grace of God, it just always brought me, brought me back and brought me um, 
to being one that I just really want to run after Jesus. Yeah. I want to run after um, him and, and everything that I do. And so gratefully, uh, this youth pastor teacher, um, his name was Dave, and he's leading missions and um, mission schools right now. And he's just been an amazing man of God always to look up to. So I've had my father, I've had my grandfather, and I've had this uh, teacher named Dave, and they all kind of like helped me become the man that I am today. That's great. Yeah, so thanks, man. You, you um, it's funny because it's a similar story to mine. I, I was, I was a Christian at a young age, and at the age of fourteen, um, it was very similar. It was at a youth event when, um, at like a camp we were at, and just in a field by myself, and mm. all in or all out moment. What, what, what was some of your experiences in a in a school? Um, I'm assuming predominantly non-Christian environments. Mm. Was that was that tough growing up in that? Was that easy? Um, yeah. Well, I have to admit that by the time I met the teacher, I was I was meeting. It was sometime after that car accident. Um, my parents put me in um, a Christian school, um, a, a private Christian school. But you're right. Before that, um, I was sort of wide eyed at you know uh, the idea of like popularity and just to, all the things that this world had to offer. Yes, I was a Christian. I might have even been known as the Christian, but I was still sort of wide eyed at um influential people older than me who sort of seemed like they were they were it you know they they were popular but they weren't necessarily living for christ and um myself i remember being the kid who had a, a father who was a pastor and um kids who weren't exposed to that you know my one kid um told me in front of all my classmates you know oh john's dad is a priest you know and uh, i remember not not being on fire in that moment and not being excited for my faith. I remember sadly, and I even hate to admit it, but I, I remember being completely embarrassed in that moment. Of course, he wasn't a priest. He's a pastor. We know the difference, but either way, it was just this moment of um, embarrassment for me. And then my parents had put me in a different school. And so sort of all my old friends were kind of in my neighborhood, but the school was across town. And there was one girl I remember saying, oh, I heard you're going to a Christian school. And that was sort of my Peter moment where I denied it because I was embarrassed and I felt so ashamed like instantly after that um, because I didn't wanna be known as the, the weird kid or the kid whose parents made them go to this crazy school, which ended up being such an incredible experience for me. I was exposed to missions. I was exposed to this teacher I told you about who really impacted my life. And so, wow, what a moment. But yeah, it was, it was hard. You know, my, my father was asked to pray. Now I look back with such um, almost like a hero. He's so amazing to me. But at the time, he was always asked to be the one to pray at the sports banquets or the the community gatherings. And I was always a kid with a father with an accent and who was a pastor, you know. Yeah. And it was sort of normal, but it was sort of like, you know, don't don't call too much attention to it right now, you know. Um, and then it was when I was about 13, right in that crucial time, people started calling more attention to it. And those where I had those Peter moments. But um, thankfully, God had grace on me. And I ended up um, being proud to be a Christian, being being excited to be um, sort of on fire for God or, or hoping, desiring to be that way. Mm. And I was exposed to YWAM. I was exposed to um, organization King's Kids, the youth or, you know, part of YWAM and getting to go on short term missions trips, even with what, my church network. Yeah. What was um, what was your first official mission trip? Then? What did, where did you go and what did you do then? Yeah, man. Good question. It's so cool. I have not been asked this question before. That's great. Uh, my first one ever um, was I got to go to South Africa 
And there was supposed to be a team in my network that went. And I was like, what? There's, it's going to South Africa. Yes, let me go. And I'll never forget, um, there was so much turmoil happening politically in South Africa at the time that the team decided not to go. But because we were friends with local missionaries in South Africa and because my grand lived a couple blocks from that missionary, just naturally, my father said, yep, yeah, right. You just go, you serve with that missionary, you go anyway. So it was another picture of the solo thing, you know, just go and serve. But um, those experiences changed my life. It was unbelievable to get to go into different areas with that missionary and, and kind of see the work firsthand and just get to be also exposed to more of the family that I hardly got to grow up with. You know, it was, it was incredible, man. And so my heart for South Africa is just about this big. It's like so, so huge, man. And then I went to YWAM in England, actually, in the West Sussex at a manor house, uh, uh, changed my life as well. I was 19. And then we went to Albania and we went all over Southern Africa again. You know, we were in Zimbabwe, Namibia. I ended up doing some mission work up in Cote d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast in West Africa. And then um, more recently, all, all around as well. So it's been an exciting journey. And I'm just so happy that that DNA was planted in me at a young age um, where I realized the value of missions and the value of uh, laying your life down, which in the end ends up being a bigger blessing anyway. So it's not that hard, actually. So, so if I asked you what your um, ministry was, would you, would you come under the banner of missionary then? Is that what you would? Yeah, really at the, yeah, at the moment, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, some people might call it musicianary. So <laughs> it's, yeah, I heard my friend uses that term. But yeah, music and mission really is sort of what we do now. But I guess my motivation and my, my motivational side of things is definitely evangelism. I was a youth pastor in this church for about 17 years, sort of um, didn't expect it. I had these lofty dreams of joining the Worldwide Message Tribe after my DTS with YWAM and going all over England. And, um, but then God called me back home to Denver and uh, to be a youth pastor at a local church. And I had my sights set on the UK and South Africa, but I ended up serving here in my home, my Jerusalem, you know, my hometown, you know, yeah. Denver. And it was fantastic. You know, I learned so much and ended up being a bigger blessing than I could ever have imagined any doing anything else. So, but right now, yeah, music and mission, musicianary. That's great. And then um, how, how did you get into the music side of things? How, how did that come about? And mm, That's a good question. Uh, I was in my DTS. Um, my mother's a worship leader. I was raised sort of uh, in worship, but I was in my DTS and I, I was exposed to the Worldwide Message Tribe. And I, I, going into schools and using music was something that was foreign to me because although I went to a Christian school in the state schools over here, it's such a huge separation. You can't do that. You can't go in as a believer and sort, sort of like share your faith or anything. So I was just like, whoa, that my wide eyed, like that's incredible. Uh, and I wanted to do that. So I was sort of exposed to them. But during my time as a youth pastor um, and through college and university years, I uh, met a friend named Tim and he was a DJ and we both had a similar heart to using music to reach the lost. And so what we did early days is we started a production company called Transform Productions. And that was T-R-A-N-C-E, like the music trance, Transform Productions. And we threw all night um, raves and parties to reach the club and the rave community. And we were more on the outside, like um, uh, promotion side. 
but we were exposed to the music. Actually, he was a DJ. I was just learning to DJ. And um, it just sort of was this grassroots thing that happened here in our hometown. And people knew we were believers. People knew we were believers. People knew that we were um, followers of Christ, but yet they saw something and they wanted to come to our parties. And that's sort of how it started. And from there, it turned into like a DJ collective. And from there, it turned into sort of an act or a band. And there's a whole story behind how it made those leaps. But, um, but that's, that's the beginning. Yeah, that's incredible. And it, it, it kind of sounds like you saw, um, you saw a group of people who, I don't know if it's fair to say, but ordinary Christians wouldn't be able to reach in, a, in the way that you guys seem to have reached. Because when, when we think about um, church and worship, especially in the UK, it's still very much organ and now the guitar and and that type yeah, of work, yeah, which yeah. is completely fine but when you guys bring a different element into it and it's still worship because it's coming from the heart for jesus that's an incredible thing and did, did you guys realize you were reaching people who others might not have been able to reach at the time was that part of it mm, yeah we we i'm a big believer that you know god will qualify those he calls and so while we might not have been the most gifted or the most qualified to do something like that, we believe that God just took our yes and did something with it. And I'd say in those early days, it was probably less worship. It was still more like the traditional like dance music. Um, but we were intentional in walking amongst the people, getting to know the people, sharing the gospel with people. One guy got a flyer for one of our events, came to our event, and then later in the parking lot just outside of the church, here he gave his life to christ and then later he looked us up on google earth and said that's where i got saved and he called the church and told us again hey i'm still following jesus and so um that's sort of the early days but you're right like what we've done through trial and error with many people forerunning and going ahead of us who use dance music in worship um we took the good things and we worked on the things that we could do better and we realized look like what can we do to take what people are used to in the local church with words on the screen or choruses that they know, but let's use remixes of those songs and let's use it in worship, you know, and we never wanted to be the kind of guys who said, move over everyone. It's now our time now, because that's really not our heart. I love hymns. I love the traditional yeah. singing. I love all that, but yeah, you're right. Like to, to have something that God qualified you for to, to make it fresh and to bring a new sound. I think God is in, obviously into worship and he's always excited about new sounds and maybe this is a new sound for worship and we try to like bridge the gap to make it as palatable for the church as possible but hopefully something uh, that you know people outside the church would be like what what's this you know this would be amazing uh to listen to anyway regardless of what they're saying but then if they can hear the word they can hear the heart behind it hopefully it has an impact in their life as well so um yeah. it's all a journey I remember mm -hmm. taking some young people to your event in Sunderland when you mm -hmm. guys did the event in the church and how you mix it and how you get the gospel. It, it is really, really effective and good. So thank I'm a, you. I'm a pusher for it. Good job. Thanks. Thanks, Keith. I will just say this about those guys. I think as much as it's, it's fun to do the traveling and the visiting and throwing those kinds of shows or concerts or worship services, it's really the guys on the ground like you and like Pastor Nathan, if this is the local church, you know, having watched my father all these years, 
Um, it's the guys week in and week out that make it possible for guys like us to come in and have that sort of impact. So we might bring something fresh on the night. God uses that as a catalyst event for God to reach people. Amazing. Great. But it's the guys like you who I believe God is like using in the long term. And I believe the local church is God's primary way to build the kingdom. And so if we can be a support to guys like you all throughout the region, throughout the Northeast and in, the, in England, in the UK, worldwide, if we can support guys like you, then, um, then we're accomplishing part of our mission because, yeah, it takes guys, uh, local guys, pastors. Anyway, that's, that's just part of our DNA and our heart. So thank you, man. I think you're I really doing a great job. Yeah, sincerely, sincerely, it's very, it's from the heart for sure. But anyway. So um, just another question. And so as a missionary, what to, what's like, we all know what happened in uh, two, uh, 2020. So what, what that, what's that been like to being restricted of where you can go and your movement? And what, what has God been teaching you through this time? And what have you been doing during it? Yeah, try, try not to sound cliche. Um, we had some events canceled. We were, we were set to be in the Netherlands um, last May for two different events. We were excited. Um, it would have been very likely we'd end up back in the UK. It was like everybody, man, just slow. And then all of a sudden, just everything's just on hold. Um, in a good way, I think for me, um, I have five children. It's a lot of kids. And um, my wife, and they're just so gracious to let, to let me do what we get to do. But I was able just to spend more time with them. And I feel like we had some of the most precious times just doing the simple things like that we took for granted before. So, whoa, it's a big deal. We're going to go for a walk today. But it was together. So that that meant something that was special. Um, I think sometimes you can get so busy doing things for God that you stop thinking about the first things, kind of like your first priority, your first ministry. So that being to my wife and to the children and um, just having that extra time with them meant the world, and it still is. And, and I have that flexibility. And I do get to spend a lot of time at home as well. But then there's those times when we're gone and we're doing mission, and sometimes they're with us and sometimes they're not. But just having this time where we really had no choice, you know, we had to be home and we ate at home more. You know, we we got a le less takeout and less rush. We were at home eating meals around the table more as a family. And there's just stuff I would never trade for anything. As far as the work and the ministry, um, we've been blessed like you to have a podcast and we have a radio show that plays around the world. And so um, Tim and I, Tim's in Transform as well. That's the name of our act or our band or our ministry, transformedm.com. And we have a, a weekly radio show where we get to play music and share the gospel. A lot of it is worship. We get to speak about other issues on our heart as well, give a Bible verse, um, sometimes interview other artists as well. And so we were able to be faithful with that throughout the year and put that out weekly as well. So even though it was local, we got to like send it out to the world. So it plays in the UK. It plays um, in Africa. I'm so happy in Uganda. We get messages from Uganda. Um, it plays in Canada um, and in the USA. And then we turn it into a podcast where it's on demand. So we're able to do that as well. So it's been tough, but um, we're... Um, we're ready for it to be done and we're raring to go. We're already like starting to do new things because I think uh, the USA is opening up just before you guys. I think you guys are on your way, but I think it's a little bit more open here. So we're able to go do things outside and we're starting to do that now. So <laughs> that's good stuff. Yeah, man. Good. 
Um, just to kind of round off the podcast, if that's all right. Yeah. Um, yeah. If someone's listening or watching this and they don't know Jesus and they don't know the experiences that we know, what mm. what would you say to them if if you, if you could talk to them directly? What would you say to someone who didn't know Jesus and didn't understand the gospel? Mm. I would just say that um, there's nothing you've done that could outlast God's love for you or nothing you've done that is uh, too bad for Christ's love for you. Um, we believe what we believe because it's in the Bible and the Bible is so full and rich, full of stories and full of truths that will literally impact your life. And what one thing you'll find is in the Bible in John three sixteen, it says that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. And so that includes you, um, he loved you enough to come to this earth and live a life here where he ended up on the cross to pay for the bad things that you've done and that I've done. So he's not threatened by those things. He's not like saying you're too bad. You can't come into my family. Basically, he's saying, that's why I came. That's why I came, because I loved you enough to pay, to take the place for the punishment that you deserve for your sins. And, and the same is true for, for Keith and, and myself. It's the same thing that he died for us. And so I would just say that if you don't know that love, that if you would just give him a try in your life, would you just open your heart to him and just confess your sins to Jesus and say, Jesus, I, I, I'm sorry, but I ask you to come into my life. And if you do that, you'll experience that love and you'll understand that like he is with you in relationship now. And then that's the beginning of a new life. Like you're putting the old away, the simple stuff away, and you're like living a new life in Christ. And that's what I would just do to say, just to encourage you that there's nothing you can do that would make Jesus say no, because he already said yes um, to the cross. So it's our job just to say yes to Jesus, who said yes to the cross. And the good news is, is that three days later, he rose again. And so he's alive. And if you're on the high street, or if you're in your car listening, or if you're somewhere home listening quietly to yourself, just know that he's with you right now. And you can pray to him and say, Jesus, I believe in you. I trust you. Thank you for dying for me. I want to choose to follow you now. And that, that prayer, it starts now and it lasts forever. So Keith, that's what I would say in a nutshell, just that he loves you so much that you can't even fathom, can't even imagine. That's great. Well, you've been yeah. an excellent guest. Um, I'm sure we'll uh, have you guys on again. We should have a the whole group on at some point if you're uh, able to meet together and stuff that'd be great yeah um, man you just let us know we'll be there <laughs> let me just uh pray for us and pray for our listeners and uh father in heaven i thank you for jonathan i thank you for his life i thank you for his ministry lord his his mm. heart his his dna of love for the church and the lost lord i pray that as he starts to move back into ministry that you'll prosper Everything mm. he does, and he'll see more souls won. Mm -hmm. Lord, I just thank you for his family being so gracious to allow him to be a missionary in your name, Lord. I pray for those who are listening who may need a touch right now. Holy Spirit, just move upon them in that precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you thank for you listening. Kids. No worries. And we will see you again on the Helen Castle Mission Podcast. Thank you very much.